Welcome to episode 243 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. In this episode, we discuss the Ricky Stewart suspension, Brandy versus Cam Smith, the road to the NRL finals, and much, much more. Join us as we build a rugby league community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 243 of the Rugby League Republic podcast, where we aim to bring you the everyday fans' perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the people. I'm your co-host, Dr. T. Joining me is Tish. Tish, how are you doing this week? Well, Dr. T, I am doing great, but I think the NRL needs to uh, get in, you know, uh, hire the services of a witch doctor. Somebody in the... uh, Arts of voodoo magic because I believe rugby league might have been cursed over the last few weeks just with all the drama that's been going on. Um, but look, me personally, I mean, a lot less drama than than what the NRL has been uh, dishing up. But what about yourself, there, Doctor T? Oh, look, the, you know, I, it can't possibly be as bad as 1995 Super League. You would think that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, talking right. about when was rugby league cursed? I think I think it goes all the way back there. But I think I think what you're suggesting is that there's a lot of crazy stuff going on in rugby league, and mm. there's if there's one thing you can't say as a rugby league fan like we are is that rugby league is boring because it's never mm. boring on on or off the field. There is always something happening, and. Look, we are definitely – we've got a big show lined up today because there is a lot that's happening off the field that mm. is uh, is absolutely worth talking about. And uh, and then we do want to then focus on what's happening on the field as well because uh, yeah. we are approaching the, uh, the NRL final series. And so, you know, one of the things that we'd intended to do with about, you know, like a month or so to go – uh, a few games to go is to kind of have a look at what's the road ahead and what is the likely uh, shape of the top eight. What is it likely going to look like? And, mm. uh, and you know, w- w- who's in contention, who's out of contention? What are the, uh, you know, what are the various things that are going to go on? And so we thought we'd focus on that, but did we, did we ever consider that, that the, the NRL finals discussion would be dwarfed by yeah. all this off-field controversy in the last week or so. Um, you know, and it's as you said, it's continued for the last month or so. So there's always been something. We've never been short of topics, Dish, to yeah. talk about. Put it that way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, a few few months ago now, it looks like you know we've had multiple coaches sacked. <laughs> you know, uh, coaches having to uh, like you know. Uh, like even one coach quitting because like he didn't want to move houses or countries, you know. <laughs> and then um, on top of that, like you know, uh, you know, teams suing the NRL over like you know uh, referee decisions. We had players standing down um, based on their beliefs, and then uh, you know, like the NRL. Well, you know, talking about having an inclusive weekend next round. I mean, and now you've got like uh, you know a coaching 
you know, you've got a coaching crisis going on at the moment with the uh, with with the press conference and all the drama that that uh, uh, you know sort of came up to. But I think it's going to be uh, look, yeah. Well, but the finals they're close, aren't they? They're they're not that far away, and I think um, it's going it's doing good. And I think based on what's everything that's happening, I think it's a very it's going to be a very interesting final series, uh, particularly how the teams are going to go towards it. So uh, looking forward to that and. Uh, yeah, I think we've got a packed show on tonight, definitely. Let's Yeah, so look, let's get started with the usual review of the previous round. So here we go with tackle number one. Sorry about that, just... <laughs> All we're, right. we're a bit so, overboard. All good. <laughs> that's right. We're so excited. <laughs> Round 21 review. Um, so here we go. I'll go through the uh, the scores quickly, and then we'll focus on the highlights or lowlights. Uh, the Sydney Roosters, 34-16 to 16 over the Brisbane Broncos. Melbourne, 32-14 over the Gold Coast Titans. Parramatta Eels, 36-20 over the Manly Warringah Sea Eagles. South Sydney Rabbitohs, 48-10 over the New Zealand Warriors. Penrith Panthers without Luai and Cleary, 26-6 over the Canberra Raiders. The Sharks, 24-18 in a tight one over the Dragons, the local derby there. The Cowboys, 28-14 over a revived uh, Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs. And Newcastle Knights, their first win in quite a while, 14-10 over a depleted West Tigers. Tish, uh, look, quite a lot of contentious, you know, uh, games there, uh, interesting games uh, in terms of the finals makeup as well. Um, you know, I guess for me the the highlight obviously is the Eels. <laughs> the the it looked like it was going to be a typical Eels. It was a very tight game against Manly, and then all of a sudden they put the afterburners on and uh, mm. and and you know put on several. You know, I think it was like twenty two or something unanswered points, um, and could have even gone a bit further. But you know that to me. It's an expected result, but uh, but it was it was pleasing, shall we say, to see how they turned it around within the game, how they pulled it together, and also the speed of uh, you know Dylan Brown, Clint Gutherson. Uh, let's not forget they're missing Mitchell Moses, so you know they're missing a part of the puzzle. And mm. I have to say, Jake Arthur, um, Jacob Arthur, Jake Arthur uh, was yeah. uh, answered his critics and and definitely put on a bit of a you know, uh, what's what's the the comment? He, he he put on a bit of a, you know, up yours kind of thing to his uh, detractors uh, with with his performance. I mean, he did a good job. Did some had some good kicking, good kicking there. Did his job. And Dylan Brown again. This is why Brown and Moses have that kind of they play off each other and they play different roles, and mm. and it works. And I wonder whether Brown and Jake Arthur are going to blend into a different type of partnership, mm. which will serve Parramatta well in a different way. And, you know, yep. it's important. It was an important win because, as we're going to see later, the, the road to the finals is uh, is not an easy one for the Eels. And they certainly end, I think they end with the storm uh, at the end of uh, the season. So, um it is, it, and that's going to be a critical game for them. So, let's see if this new combination is going to gel and work it seems to have worked against manly took a while took about 50 minutes or so until it clicked into gear um and then 
yeah, so let's see if they can continue that. But I was, again, as an Eels fan, very, very pleasing. Rabbitohs yep. uh, on fire. Penrith Panthers, 26-6 over Canberra. Controversial, and we're going to talk about that later with Ricky Stewart's post-match uh, press conference. But, um, you know, on the field, you're seeing Dylan Edwards. Is it Dylan Edwards? Uh, the the fullback. Um, uh, and, uh, no, is that, is that his name? Dylan Edwards, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and despite not having Luai and um, <clears throat> and Cleary there, you know, somehow they're managing to put put this together and uh, still uh, still win games, and I think that's really critical. Um, Cowboys, you know, over the Bulldogs, it was a, an exciting game. Bulldogs gave it to them certainly, but uh, the Cowboys ran away with it. But I think, yeah, look, there's a. Uh, and and Roosters Broncos, let's start with that one. Thirty-four to sixteen. Uh, I expected. I think the I think I tipped the Broncos to win, so it was unexpected result for me. But I think the Roosters still in the hunt for the top eight, and I think uh, the, I think this game showed that they've still got what it takes to be up in that top eight. So um, those are my sort of quick fire observations. What about you, mm. Tish? What did you think of this round? Well, I think it was uh, – well, look, uh, look, it was a very interesting round. And, uh, look, firstly, on the Parramatta game, uh, you know, it was actually at Brookvale Oval, one of the ovals that had uh, lost its funding um, over the – well, you know, over over last week, which is something that we talked about, another cr- NRL crazy that happened last week. But <laughs> it was right. an app. But, but I think the, the game on TV actually showed why – these grounds need to be upgraded because it was a great atmosphere, right? It was a great rivalry. It was a bit of a rivalry round, you know. I mean, these two clubs have a, a huge rivalry. So does the Sharks and um, uh, sorry, the Sharks and the Dragons, who also played out uh, over the weekend, and a couple other teams. I think had like you know a, a bit of oh yeah, the uh, the Raiders and the Panthers, you know, who had sort of played two grand finals back to, back to back. Um, yeah, and I think just on the comment of Jake Arthur, uh, what it what it showed me and. I don't know what you would think about this, but I, it showed me that I think um, Jake Ar- Arthur is um, Jake Arthur and Dylan Brown are a better combination than Moses and Jake Arthur, right? So I think Jake oh, okay. Ar- Arthur, yeah, yeah. yeah, I think the I think he's a better understudy for Moses compared to you know when he has to play, uh, yeah, c- compared to Brown sort of thing. And I think him and Brown seem to complement each other a little bit. I know it was it was kind of uh, interesting how you saw that. Um, whereas, by the way, I think Brown and Moses also have a really good combination as well. So it's kind of uh, it's kind of interesting um, how those dynamics work. So probably what the Eels need to think about is what if Brown is injured? How do we replace him? And that's the question. He's kind of becoming the player for them that becomes their key player, right? Like that they need on the team sort of thing, which, uh, you know, for such a young player and, um, but he's, but it just shows how much ability he has. And, um, you know, you could argue like, I know there's lots of great five ace in the competition, um, but he's having a tremendous season, right? I think he's up there with Munster and Luai as, as standouts. And, uh, you know, he played, he debuted for New Zealand this year. And I think this is why the, the world cup looks so exciting with, with Dylan Brown in form. Uh, look, I suppose, um, yeah, in, in terms of all the other games, probably, you know, not a lot for, uh, unfortunately, for Tish to actually uh, enjoy, considering how bad the Tigers are going, uh, losing again at Campbelltown. And uh, so the highlight for me is, uh, you know, Dom Young's parents, um, you know, the wing, the Jamaican winger, 
um, sort of Jamaican heritage winger, I should say, uh, for the Knights. You know, his parents, after three years uh, of not seeing his son play footy live, they got to go out to Campbelltown Stadium, you know, flew all the way to England, from England, to go to Campbelltown Stadium and watch their son play. And their son played for the Newcastle Knights and got a victory. But when they were interviewed by Channel 9 about how proud they were and how long they've seen their son play footy, the the play straight after that, he drops the ball. (laughs) Unbelievable. But... The jinx is on, you know, the parents. Yeah, a lot, you know, too much pressure. Yeah, that's what it is. But it was good to see, you know, and I think he's going to be representing Jamaican in the World Cup this year. So, um, yeah, first NRL player to do so. And I think the first time J- Jamaican's in the World Cup. So, uh, you know, all the people in Jamaica can't believe Jamaica. They have a rugby league team. So, yeah. Uh, Sorry, can't wait for the movie Cool Rugby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Cool League or something like that. Yeah. And you know what? Jamaican sprinters on the wing, you know, th- it could be, it could be awesome. You know what I mean? Like the kick and chase, and you have like, uh, you know, uh, what's his name? The uh, Usain Bolt. Uh, you know, sprinting down the sideline. The, bol- awesome. the Bolters. The Bolters. The bol- yeah, yeah, that would be that would be awesome. So yeah, but look, um, yeah, but look, uh, I think I think that's the round for me. No worries. All right, let's move on to the big news of the week, the Ricky Stewart fiasco. Tackle number two, here we go. All right. So for those of you who've been hiding under a rock or have not looked at rugby league news this week, you would be forgiven for thinking, what on earth is going on in Australia, specifically Canberra? Um, Ricky Stewart, the coach of the Canberra Raiders, has come under intense fire and, uh, and the weight of public opinion against him for what was uh, an incredible uh, series of comments that he made in a post-match press conference uh, after the Canberra-Penrith match, uh, where he talked, he was talking about the Panthers' stand-in playmaker, Jamin Salmon. And uh, I don't I don't have the exact quote with me, but he basically, uh, you know, was referring to an incident where Jamin Salmon, I think, kicked, kicked at a player, potentially kicked at a player's groin while he was being tackled. Mm. And um, I think he was asked about it and and basically Ricky Stewart said, uh, you know, something along the lines of, you know, it's it's typical kind of uh, behaviour from Salmon. We've come to expect from him. He's a weak, gutted dog. Now, I don't know yeah. if, if he meant – I don't know if that was a, a, a Freudian slip, if he meant weak, gutter dog or weak, gutted dog, meaning <laughs> – a dog that has issues, irritable bowel syndrome. With his guts. I don't know. I don't I actually don't know what he meant, but let's, let's just assume yeah. that he, what he means to say is this guy is a dog and he's, it was a dog act, but he didn't just say that even that would be enough of a controversy for a, a coach, a head coach yep. of the NRL to, to single out a player from, from the other team and, and uh, you know, call him a dog or something. But, 
he specifically, I think, referred to, and and he may not have referred to it in the comments himself, himself, but I think he said, you know, he's he's always been like that. Uh, and, and later he had to clarify what he meant. And I think, as usual, uh, you know, people were up in arms about this comment. And and as usual, there is always context for these things, Tish. And so what ended up happening was there was a first there was a statement from Jamin Salmon's parents i think saying that uh they were disappointed with ricky stewart they think he should be uh, i think they were seeking legal action at one point for defamation and mm. uh and ricky stewart then came out and uh and then explained what happened and i think uh to be honest even before his um his comments came out i think the internet was uh, rife with speculation about the history that Ricky Stewart has with Jamin Salmon. So apparently what happened was when Ricky Stewart's own son was in uh, under 12s in the same team as Jamin Salmon, uh, there was a bit of a, a punch up or something, a bit of a disagreement, allegedly because Jamin Salmon had made some derogatory comments about uh, Ricky Stewart's, uh, I think, autistic daughter, I believe. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, a daughter with some learning disability or something. So so basically, he took umbrage at, at this. Uh, again, this was Jamin Salmon as an under-12s, so an 11-year-old, um, and uh, took umbrage at that. I think there was an altercation and, you know, there, there was some bad blood between Ricky Stewart and Jamin Salmon's parents and father in particular, which which then got reignited, I think, uh, potentially years later, a few years later, when Ricky Stewart confronted uh, uh, again Jamin Salmon uh, or and the and the father. There was a bit of a, uh, a, a an altercation at a game. Um, again, not sure who instigated it, but I know that there was some obviously some bad blood there, and uh, yeah. So as a result of that, obviously Ricky Stewart, we know he can hold grudges. I mean, look. Even Michael Jordan was uh, called Ricky Stewart to say, "Mate, you know, you shouldn't take it that personal." Because <laughs> I think Michael Jordan, being the king of taking things personal, Ricky Stewart, uh, look, whatever happened, uh, obviously he did not take kindly to uh, his daughter being made fun of, and the fact that his son had to you know, got in, got in altercation at, at this age, at that age of eleven or twelve with Jamin Salmon. But Ricky Stewart couldn't let it go, and uh, obviously he still has very low opinion of Jamin Salmon. Um, and look, as a result of his comments, which were absolutely outlandish but and unnecessary, um, the NRL has come down pretty hard on him. He's, they've suspended him for one week, and he's been hit with a $25,000 fine. Now, Tish, I don't know if I've explained everything <laughs> for those who have been living under yeah. a rock or don't know anything about what's happened. Hopefully I've given, you know... Uh, the, the main elements, the, the other element of this is that there's been, at least in Sydney media, there's a, there's a, Paul Kent, who is on the Fox, uh, what's it called, NRL 360 show, has yep. um, has come out, you know, he's, everyone knows, he's a close friend with Ricky Stewart, he's come out uh, blasting the media and, and people who have been, uh, and, and in particular the NRL decision to hand down that suspension and fine to Ricky Stewart, uh, saying that, you know, it, it really didn't warrant it. It was just a comment. Uh, he has every right to be angry as a father uh, and, and feel slighted. The other thing that 
the element is that it's uh, people are saying, well, it's not as if Jamin Salmon has been an angel since then and, and atoned for his ways. I mean, he has been in trouble a couple of times with the law, including a DUI uh, driving under the influence kind of uh, drink driving scenario. Um, he's also been known, I think, to kick in tackles as well. So this isn't this isn't the first time he's been um, caught doing something uh, unsavory on or off the field. So, look, with that in mind, hopefully that explains the context. And Tish, I guess the question is, uh, you know, what's it, what are our views on this? Because I've been I've been sitting on the fence on this. I've been a little bit on both sides. I can understand the concern and people saying this is, you know, as a head coach, no matter what happened in the past, you know, you've got to let it go and not single out a player. Uh, you know, you, you, you can't hold on to grudges for that long, et cetera, et cetera. On the other hand, I do kind of understand, uh, even though I don't condone necessarily his uh, verbal actions, uh, I do understand where Ricky Stewart's coming from. So I have some sympathy for him in that way. Um, but I can see, you know, like I said, I can see both sides, and I can argue either way. Tish, um, what do you think? Are you are you like me, kind of uh, can see it from both sides, or do you think, uh, you know, do you, do you think that one side definitely was in the wrong? What do you think? Well, look, I think uh, this is real life, not TV, right? <laughs> so in real life, not TV, like. You know, every incident has got its own, um, you know, nuances to it. I'll say for this, uh, Ricky Stewart, I think, in, a, you know, we, we are talking about game a game and decisions on the game. So I think, a, you know, any sort of personal issue, no matter how long it happened, um, you know, I don't think you should be bringing it up during a, during a press conference, you know, um, that is about a game. So I think he's clearly in the wrong there. And I think also that the fact that he, um, uh, yeah. And I think the fact that this happened a long time ago, uh, you know, like well, 10 years ago, uh, and you know, uh, and, and the, the player isn't there, like Jamin Salmon is not there at that press conference for a rebuttal. So he's got no way of, um, diffusing, you know, or, you know, uh, or sort of, you know, saying, well, look, there's more to it, to that story. Like he's, he's basically got no avenue at the time when these comments are made to actually say anything. And I think, uh, look, I'm not a lawyer, but I think uh, in the, uh, look, uh, I do think that what Ricky Stewart said is something that is solvable from a defamation case. I, know, I think some people were talking about, you know, if you Google the name J uh, Jamin Salmon, this incident would stick with him because nothing gets deleted from the internet, right? So five years, 10 years, 15 years, 30 years, 40 years down the track, um, you know, his name is always going to be associated with this. So there is a long-lasting consequence for James Salmon. Um, so I think Rich should definitely rece should receive a one-year match ban, not a one-year ban, but a one-match ban <laughs> and, and the fine. Um, and I believe I, I did read... I did hear actually on the radio this morning um, that um, Ricky Stewart's total fines now um, is is approaching almost two hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> over, over, over what period? Over what period? Uh, like over his twenty year coaching career for like wow for all these outbursts. So so that's the thing. So and look, um, and I think Ricky Stewart he did he did come out with. Um, an apology, which was interesting because uh, in the apology, he does say that, look, you know, he was, wasn't was speaking as a coach and wasn't, you know, was speaking 
as a father and regrets what he said and and he basically did say that um you know that's how he was speaking and um he thought that he had dealt with the issue but clearly he hasn't and he needs time to deal with it which which is which is really good of him to say that um but did it did not offer an apology to Jamin Salmon or his family as well during the apology so it feels like that that look I don't think um I don't think that like yeah obviously they're gonna be you know swapping gifts at Christmas or anything like that I feel like um you know but they're gonna have to work in the NRL together right because Jamin Salmon's a young player and I think he he will be playing more NRL games right so um I think British just is gonna realize that like um, you know, either, either you sort of have to sort of deal with what happened a long time ago when this person was, you know, not really a fully formed, like, you know, when you're in, I mean, this is pre-primary, this is like year six, when you're 12 years old, you're year five, year six, it's pre-high school, right? And at that stage of your life, right, you really, I mean, you are shaped a bit around the people and the environment that you are in, but I don't think what you've done at that age should sort of carry you for, because, you know, I'm probably, you know, me as a child, I probably said some things to some people in those uh, years, which I'll probably, you know, if everybody brought those up again, I'll, I wouldn't, you know, I'd probably be really ashamed about what I did and said, right. It's it. Yeah. So I don't think Jamin should be, you know, necessarily judged by who he was when he was 11. <laughs> Right. No, no. Um, but I think that's. I, I guess I agree. I think the point, though, with Ricky's comments is that he's not just. I think this is the thing where people are missing. He's not just bringing up something that happened ten years ago, and uh, and you know unnecessarily. He's relating it to. He's actually calling into question this young man's character now, based on what he's seen him do now. And recently, not just what okay. happened yeah. in the past, okay. but I think it's a case of being, you know, he uh, like he said, he was saying, look, he's he's he was a weak gutter dog then, and he's one now, and then I think, the, or something to that effect, and and I think what he's trying to say is, you know, he's always been like this, and and I think I wonder whether that's a, you know, the, you're right, he's talking, he said he was talking as a father, and I think that's. Uh, as a coach, as as a, a professional, he wouldn't have said those comments. He wouldn't have made those comments. But I think as a father, he's sort of thinking, "Well, this kid's always been a nasty, nasty piece of work." That and you know, and that's the way he's he's interpreted it as a weak gutted dog or or a dog with uh, irritable bowel syndrome, whatever. Um, you know, so I think, yeah, I can see from that perspective, put it that way, that I think he's trying to, he's more trying to call into question his current behaviour and, and as a way to say this is not um, a one-off thing. He's He's been like this in the past. And I think that's a, gee, that is a tough thing to say, <laughs> like to someone, because that, that's very much an, a, one of the, the deepest insults you could give to someone uh, you know, you hear all the time p players who are going to uh, the judiciary to try and get off on a you know lower suspension or whatever for difficult you know illegal tackles or whatever. That that their defence is always oh that's a one off. It's not in his character. Well, Ricky Stewart is calling into question an individual's character, and and that to me is the key thing here. Not not the fact that he's just relating it to the fact that he was like that ten years ago as well. Um, but clearly, there is yeah that that um, that uh, 
bitterness, I think, and uh, and justified in many ways, I think, from Ricky Stewart's part. Um, but I think that's what people are missing here is uh, that his, it is a deep insult, but it's based on observations <laughs> of, uh, mm. of uh, behaviours. Uh, you know, I don't know. Have we seen another any other example of this that we can compare this to? I, I can't really think of any. I mean, you can think of um, – do you, do you think, like, you know, in the past when we had, like, players like Tommy Radonikus and others, you know, like, they would they would really rip into other, the opponents, you know, if it, especially if it was, like, state of origin. They'd just sort of go, oh, this guy's a mongrel and this, that, the other. Mm. Um, but all of that always seemed like playfulness. It never seemed real. Whereas this really seems like, wow, this is this guy really has it in for this guy. It's, if he's talking about a ten-year-old thing when this guy was only eleven, um, mm. yeah. But anyway, but Tish. Well, I think I think society yeah. and community standards change, right? Which, yeah. um, which I think the NRL was guilty is only a few weeks ago. I'm not really understanding, right? So, um, yeah. So I, I, I think I think as the, you know, so so what was what was. Good in the seventies and eighties, and you know, and and probably even the nineties. It, it's it really is unacceptable now, and you know, the, the game has moved on from that that era sort of thing. And I think also like that's why it was to be to be, in, in my opinion, um, not having these players uh, who were punching in state of origin, not having them banned for the rest of the season. I think is appalling, <laughs> right? Because we can't get. Regularly can't go back to that, right? It's not, um, you know, uh, we're like if we're gonna if we're gonna be serious about concussion, right? Um, well, put it this way: you could suspend. Then you need to suspend the players. Otherwise, don't have a concussion protocol. Just let just let brain injury happen, right? You know, if you're just gonna allow punching like that. So, yeah, like that's the thing. You gotta the the game's gotta evolve, and I think uh, players and coaches probably need to understand that. But um, yeah, but look, um, hopefully, look, I think. I think hopefully this doesn't drag on for too long because it is, it is really yeah. You're like it, it isn't pretty on either side, is it? It's one of these things where I think everybody's a loser here because like I think, um, you know, Ricky Shaw is obviously regretting his actions, but like you know he probably obviously he's a father and loves his family a lot, right? So he wants to stand up for him and so forth. And then on on the other end, you know, Jamin Salmon, uh, you know, obviously being publicly uh, called out like that. And then on top of that, um, don't know what sense of guilt or, you know, uh, how bad he feels about what he did all those years ago too, right? We don't really know. And obviously the family not being happy about it. So it just feels like uh, it's, it's a no-win situation for anybody. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's leave it there. <laughs> no wins. We'll... Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, let, yeah. Well, we don't want it to drag on here either. So <laughs> let's, let's move on to the next tackle. Uh, we're going to talk about another controversy this week. Not as not as big, but definitely one that's made the news. So, tackle number three. Here we go. All right. Tackle number three. So the other controversy that that's uh, made the rounds in social media this week in rugby league circles is a statement by Brandy Greg Alexander, who uh, who made a comment around um, uh, the Melbourne Storm and how it seems like a lot of the dangerous 
wrestling-based tackles uh, that that we're seeing over the last, you know, more than a decade really have been, you know, pretty much all of them, he said, have been introduced into the NRL, into the game by, um, by the Melbourne Storm, uh, at which Cameron Smith has come out and said, that's really unfair. It's an unfair comment for Brandy to make, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, he's really pushing back on that. And uh, and I guess that's that's the question <laughs> is is what Brandy said uh, you know is he being too biased is it accurate um, so let's let's talk about some of the, so the the argument behind the 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 very brief comment was that you know as we know and this part is is I think we can confirm this that the Melbourne Storm were I guess one of the pioneering teams to bring in the, a wrestling coach to help players, uh, you know, find innovative ways to bring down uh, and effective ways to bring down the tackler. Um, uh, to, sorry, to bring down the, uh, the, the the ball player. And and so what this has done is I think, you know, they've done it so well that they have uh, really, you know, heralded an age of uh, Melbourne Storm dominance and very defence oriented game which uh which only i you know i guess only in the last couple of years with some of the recent rule changes we've seen uh we've seen that dominance kind of wane slightly um and and there being less of a focus on these kind of uh strange dangerous tackles however having said that what's happened recently is as we talked about last week is this uh a new form of tackle called the hip drop tackle which is where you know we we've we've heard of like cannonball we've heard of the third man in this time it was a specific tackle where the third player two players are holding up the ball player the third player comes in deliberately uh you know hits around the hips in order to buckle the leg so that the player goes down and obviously you know this kind of sophisticated technique doesn't just happen randomly with players mucking around at defensive training during the week. This obviously is something that's coached into them and obviously has come from the one of the pioneering clubs that has done this, the Melbourne Storm. That's my view. Um, Brandy was talking about a bunch of tackles that uh, have have been given and anointed very weird names, but nevertheless, w- once I say these names, you will know exactly what we're talking about. We're talking about the grapple tackle, uh, the chicken wing, uh, the cannonball, uh, the uh, now the hip drop. Um, this is just a few examples of uh, what what we're seeing, and and there may be other ones that I'm missing, but. And and obviously now with the hip drop, uh, you know, is is the main one that we're talking about, and we just talked about last week. So Tish, um, yeah, I, I guess I wanted your views on: Do you think Brandy has a point, or do you think, as Cam Smith said, it's a highly unfair and biased comment to make to to lay the blame squarely on the shoulders of the Melbourne Storm? Okay, yeah, well. Um, Brandy, uh, Greg Alexander, him and Andrew Voss have the SEN radio show, right, uh, which is Monday to Fridays um, in the mornings. And then uh, on Thursday, after their show, Greg Alexander, uh, sorry, uh, Cameron Smith has his own show on the same network, I think called The Captain's Run or so forth. And then on every Monday, uh, you know, uh, the final hour of the 
show that Greg Alexander's on, Cameron Smith and Matt Johns joins that show as well. <laughs> right? Yeah, so, got it. Got so it. this whole thing played out in one radio station, right? So um, I think it's really good publicity for that radio station, if I could say that. And um, and I think it's also really good publicity for the game that's on this weekend, which is the Panthers versus the Storm. <laughs> right? So I think I – think, and look, uh, so so – there is an element to that as well, right? But what I could see with, I mean, where, where I see Greg Alexander's point is that, you know, he thought there's nothing controversial and he's quite surprised at all the hoo-ha, right, of what's going on because he kind of, like, I think in one of the comments he, you know, or one of the rebuttals that he made out was like, look, I thought it was just the general consensus that over the last 20 years that all these different um, tackling techniques had, sort of been pioneered coming out of Melbourne, right? And then, you know, he, he thinks about the grapple, the chicken wing, the rolling pin, the crusher, the hip drop. You know, they they seem to all emanate out, out of Melbourne or Melbourne at least lead the way. And he thought that that was just a consensus and there was nothing really different to what anybody else has ever said about that, right? So that's where Greg Alexander is coming from. The thing that sparked it on Cameron Smith's end is that, after hearing that and somebody actually asking him about it, like, you know, what do you think about what Greg Alexander said? He made this comment, which is an interesting point, right? Which is, look, you know, from his recollection over the last 20 years being involved in Melbourne Storm, he can't remember one training session, right, that uh, Greg Alexander ever attended uh, for the Melbourne Storm. So in other words, he hasn't watched us train, so how does he know that all these tackles are being thing, right? So that's a kind of <laughs> like that kind of just hits it square in the face a little bit, right? Because like it's like, well, I haven't gone to any uh, Melbourne training session myself, so am I not allowed to comment on what I see happening on uh, the playing field? Yeah, <laughs> right? it kind of an interesting comment from Cam Smith. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think, I think, I mean, like, I, I, I get it, but like, he's probably. Uh, protecting the club that he's uh, he's sewed into quite a lot, and actually, I look even though I didn't really uh, enjoy his style of play uh, when he was playing, I actually really enjoy his commentary and his insight. I think he's actually a really good analyst, uh, Cameron Smith. But yeah. yeah, I just thought that that was like I mean, there's no way Brandy can say anything um, you know against that because you know not everybody's invited to a Melbourne Storm um, a Melbourne Storm thing. Um, but I also think that Cameron Smith, uh, like, and I don't think he said it, but I, I heard it from some other people, right? Which was there were clubs in the 1990s that had wrestling coaches, right? Um, so it's nothing new to have a wrestling coach, um, you know, coach uh, like being part, involved in your in your players' teams, right? And uh, and I think that um, and uh, and it could even be Paul Kent who said this that he knows for a fact that the Brisbane Broncos had one in the 1990s, for example, right? So. Um, so what I'd say is that look, I don't think Mel- I mean Melbourne have led the way. I think I think that's pretty clear. Like I think they've been very good at innovating. They've been um, like they've been a bit of ahead of the game, and I don't think they they go intentionally to create these tackles to sort of injure players. I think it's more about getting advantage in the ruck and um, being able to sort of um, you know wrestle players down, get them on their backs, slow the play the ball down in a, in a way that's not going to break any sort of rules. And then um, and then you know and then obviously some of these techniques, if you know like 
in training, probably when you're practicing it on your teammates, everybody's a willing participant. But then on the field, um, the other party is not a willing participant because they want to play the ball as quick as possible. And then as a result, injuries tend to happen because people are twisting and turning bodies the way they shouldn't be doing it. So um, I think that's where all the injuries and these controversial tackles come from. Um, I think every club has got a wrestling coach. So I don't think... I don't think it's 100% Melbourne, but I think that they definitely are a major contributor is probably what I think is is where I sort of and, land on it. Yeah. Look, I, can I just – sorry, you've, you finished your point or do you want to – Oh, yeah, no, no, go for, go for it, go for it, yeah. No, I was going to just sort of cut in, but if you finish, that's fine. Um, Look, I, I don't – again, I think one thing I've seen on the internet is uh, – and I think one thing that is definitely lacking in rugby league fans' uh, mentality is uh, logic training, um, because I think a lot. I think we have a, a, a definite problem with people understanding logic when making arguments, when when discussing things. Uh, you know, there's there's. Uh, I'll give you an example. There's. Uh, you know, when 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 you look at just I, I let's do this as an or an experiment. So anyone listen to listening to this, I dare you to go either on Twitter or Facebook or whatever some social media thing where there's comments. Have a look at any any uh, news article relating to this topic, and have a look at how many times you see comments made from people who completely miss the point of what Brandy's saying. He's not saying that Melbourne Storm are the only ones doing it. He's not saying that they're the only ones doing it now. He's saying that quite clearly that he believes that it's a common thing that people know that a lot of these dangerous tackles emanated from the Melbourne Storm and it was because they were the ones pioneering the wrestling-style approach uh, to to defence. Now that's not saying again. Not, that's not saying that there's no other team that has a wrestling coach, but I believe that they probably one of were one of the first teams to bring in the wrestling coach, and for then that to become uh, something that we saw on the field. Now for the other logic that I see <laughs> that you what you'll see is people arguing, um, you know, things like what Cam Smith just argued, as, as you said, which was, well, I didn't see you there at training, so what right do you have to say anything? That, to me, is not answering the question, which is, mm. do you – so let me ask you in a different way, in, in a, and then I'll, I'll get to another point. But uh, if you were to say which which clubs tend – which club has tended to pioneer this kind of dangerous tackle – for each of those types of tackles, go through each of them. Again, another experiment for everyone to do. Uh, which club has done it? Was it the Eels? Was it the Tigers? Let's go through all of the clubs. I mm. think you'll find that you will say no, no, no to every single one of them ac- until you get to the Storm. And then you'll say, well, yeah, actually, there are plenty of examples where the Storm were the first ones to get penalised st- with this type of uh, dangerous tackle. Let's not forget as well. And so I think Cam Smith has been duplicitous and and hypocritical in saying that because, again, to and he's also deflecting from uh, from the argument. So by him saying that is equivalent of us saying, Cam, as an analyst, you have no right to talk about the New South Wales Blues because you haven't gone into their dressing room and talked to Brad mm. Fiddler about what they're doing. So therefore, why should I listen to you? 
That's yeah. isn't that a dumb argument? Like seriously, so Cam Smith, please stop gaslighting us and mm. and lying to us. Um, you know, otherwise I'm going to get my mate Ricky Stewart, who's going to call you a weak, <laughs> a weak gutter dog, <laughs> and you don't want to go there. So they've no, always no. been. There's, there's, there. we know how much they love each other. But look, um, no, no, yeah. back to reality. So I think the, I guess that what I'm saying is, there is, uh, whenever these arguments, look, it's a, it's a genuine argument that Brandy's making that he believes that the majority of these things are stemming from the storm. So it's something about their system and the way they've trained their players that has led to the introduction of these kinds of dangerous tackles. Now, again. Patrick Carrigan is not a Storm player. He is a Broncos mm. player, and he's the one that got suspended. No one is saying that no other player does it. What he's yeah. saying is that generally in the last 20 years or so, the Storm have been – the Kings are doing this and have usually been the first ones to introduce it, which I agree 100%. And to end my argument, and this is going to be the mic drop moment, Cam Smith go. missed a grand final in 2008 for what? <laughs> a grapple tackle. So for Cam Smith to say, how dare you, like like a Greta Thunberg or whatever, how dare you, Brandy, tell tell people that Melbourne have done this. Mate, you missed a grand final because of one of these dangerous tackles. So don't gaslight us and say, this is ridiculous, Brandy, you shouldn't be saying this. And, and I think that's, uh, to me, that's a mic drop moment because – you know, you couldn't script it any better. You could literally pick any other player that brand that, that could have defended Melbourne Storm. It had to be the player <laughs> that missed the grand final, a, a grand final, uh, you know, which they got flogged 40 nil or whatever it was by Manly and probably could have actually made a, a good grand final of it if he was there. Again, renowned as one of the best players in the world at that time. So how could you, Cam Smith, look at us in the eye and say, how dare you, Brandy, when we know that you are, you, you yourself got punished for one of these tackles. Um, and, and again, it wasn't just that it was a tackle that everyone was doing. It was one that at the time was a new tackle that was introduced by the storm. No one else had heard of this thing. Um, and, and look, that's, that's, uh, to me, that's the end of the story. It's Brandy is right to, to, to sort of uh, claim that I thought this was a known thing. The fact that there are people denying this tells me that we have a, a an intelligence gap in in our fan base because this to me is one of the most obvious things ever. Um, and and begs the question, you know, again, Brandy's not saying that they are the worst. He's saying that there's something about the way that this team has pioneered these types of tackles that we need to address as a game. We need to get on top of it. It's dangerous to the point where players have got injured now this year. And again, I say this again because as an experiment, please go and look at social media articles about this and and watch in, in dismay as you see commenters raising unrelated issues like uh, Nathan Cleary, you know, so he's the only person that's, uh, you know, is he the first player to to do a spear tackle? No, no one is saying anything about that. In fact, Brandy didn't even mention spear tackles. Spear tackles is not a wrestling move. It was a thing that was done from the 70s. We know this. He's not talking about that. So, again, 
uh, this that's the end of my rant, Tish, because I could go on forever about this. But yeah, yeah. It's uh, I don't know. Look, I, I just think it's it's ridiculous that this has even become an issue, uh, and and that again to me it's just Cam Smith. Uh, he's been a bit coy. I don't know if he's been a bit uh, deliberate in in the the hypocrisy here because I think it's quite obvious that. Uh, any normal rugby league fan would, who's not biased one way or another against or for the storm, would look at look at what Brandy said and say, "Yeah, I think you're right." I mean, you know, certainly my team hasn't been pioneering these things. So who else could it be? It would have mm. to be the storm because that's there's there are plenty of examples where where this has come out as, as the storm being the first team to introduce these types of tackles. Others obviously follow because it works until someone yeah. gets injured and then the NRL cracks down on it. And that's been the typical cycle and pattern is that the NRL waits until someone gets injured and then they decide to crack down on it. So um, anyway, that's my, my view, but Tish, I'll let you have the final word. Yeah. Well, look, um, I think that uh, again, with that training comment, right? Like it's, um, you know, you could only uh, you could only judge based on the evidence that you see before you, right? So <laughs> yeah. you know, so so like you know, so so yes, you're right, Cameron. We're not there at training, so but no player ever gets suspended by what they do at training, right? They only get suspended for what they do on the field, and we all have we all have the ability to to see what's on the field because we're all spectators and fans of the sport, and um, because we watch because we pay our Foxtel subscriptions, because we pay our, our seats, I think we should have uh, an ability to at least comment, um, you know, be allowed to talk, uh, particularly since we live in a democratic society, right? <laughs> and um, and I think, and I think, look, I mean, if you look at the evidence, I don't, yeah, as I said, like, I think, Bra- like, you know, he was, he was, he just said Melbourne because obviously it's, it's like, it's it's more of a like a, a consensus opinion that a lot of people have, and to be honest, it's probably something that I kind of probably all thought about. And I thought that most people from Melbourne Storm fans would probably think the same thing, right? Like, because you just hear about it so often, you're just so used to hearing about it. But I think I think I did see, and I think it's Buzz Rothfield, which um, that might have done this. Um, like uh, I feel, but I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, but he, I think he said that he went through, and I haven't done due diligence on his research, but it is something that is researchable where you go back and look at these tackles and look at um, the suspension list and who has been, like the club that's been suspended most and also the club that sort of were the first ones to be suspended over these things, right? So, you know, like, you know, so like, uh, you know, one tackle and I don't really know uh, if you're allowed to do it or not, but that you know, there's a tackle called the rolling pin, which I don't really know what it is. But you know, if you go back and have a look at you know players who've been suspended over the rolling pin tackle, where it actually says on the suspension, you know, um, three weeks suspension due to a grade one rolling pin or something. Um, I think when he did the research, he he realised that a lot of these, you know, the first sort of five or six incidences would have you know, Melbourne Storm players suspended over it, <laughs> right? So I think that's where, you know, the logical argument um, or the of of where why we think that comes into play because uh, a lot of these tackles, you know, Melbourne are usually the first few clubs that actually get suspended over it. So, um, but look, I think it's just, I think at the end of the day, I look, I mean, I, I didn't really listen to the show where they were sort of together on it. Um, but I don't feel like I feel there is heat, but I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's gotten I don't think it's got to Ricky Stewart level, put it that way, <laughs> right? <laughs> and I think and I think it's 
I think it almost makes this game this weekend, uh, you know, uh, the the Penrith uh, Storm game. I think it adds a, a rivalry to it, right? So um, I'm kind of glad that it happened in a way because it is a good debate to have, right? To to think about these things, and um, you know, I just think that that I think a lot of people just got to realize that, you know, hey, look. Um, you know, we can we can talk about like you know um, this, and it's it really is a negative, I suppose, thing. But there are also great things that both these clubs have sort of introduced too, right? I think the the coaching style, um, you know, the resiliency um, that Melbourne show, and I think even the Panthers with their attacking style, their their junior development, and things like that. There are there are a lot of great ways that these two clubs can be rivals at, um, and you know, defensive tackling techniques is just one of them, and uh, and it's good to see a bit of passion too. Veterans of two clubs now, sort of, uh, you know, fighting over, you know, who started it. <laughs> you know, he did it. He did it first, sir. No, he did. Like, you know, it's like, uh, it's but, like but you were there. Argument. You know, yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. But, but it, but it, but it does, it does add spice to it. So, um, I don't think this debate will ever end. Um, you know, so, so, uh, but yeah, but it's it. I, I think it was. I think it, it's been great. All, all the same. So yeah. All right, well, let's move on to – let's look ahead instead of to the past, to the finals. The finals are upon us, and uh, we are at tackle number four. Here we go. All right, so we're going to look at the road to the finals, to the NRL finals for all of the teams that are in contention for any of the top eight spots. Uh, We'll go through each team one by one, but very quickly I'll go through what the ladder is at the moment. I'll remind you as we go through. And then teach what I'll do is we'll we'll go through each team and work out, you know, what's a reasonable, you know, what's a reasonable end result for that team. So we've got um, the Panthers at the top of the moment, uh, likely minor premiers on 38 points. Um, the Cowboys next on 32 points, closely followed by the Sharks on 30 points. Storm and Eels equal fourth, 28 points. And then at six, equal six, Rabbitohs and Broncos on 26 points. Rounding out the eighth is the Roosters on 24 points. And nipping at their heels, the Raiders on 22 points. And Manly and the Dragons still in the hunt for a top eight spot with 20 points each. I deliberately have avoided talking about all the other teams below the Dragons because they have. I don't think they mathematically have a chance of getting in. So it really is only up to those, uh, how many, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven teams in contention for the top eight. And let's go through all the games and then we'll talk about where we think they might land. Uh, we haven't done a... Uh, predictor or a calculator so a lot of this is going to be you know uh, up in the air a little bit but but our rough guess of where things will land so the Panthers let's start with the Panthers at the top we've got uh, they've got the Storm up next they've got the Rabbitohs away the Warriors at home and then the Cowboys away so you know three of the top four uh, two of the top four teams sorry there and then uh, Rabbitohs with a lot to play for uh, and also the Warriors and I think, look, based on what I see, I've seen of them, um, I think they've got, you know, at least one of those they will definitely win against the Warriors, uh, even if they don't have their star uh, playmakers there. But um, I'm I'm thinking 
you know, anywhere between one and three, potentially, they might actually be in trouble against the Storm this weekend uh, or possibly the Cowboys at the end of the season. But um, Tish, Panthers, uh, I guess the first observation that we can say, are we likely going to lock them in as minor premiers? Yeah, well, they've got three, They've got a three-game advantage, right? Uh, yeah. Against the Cowboys, and there's four games left, right? Um, so they just need to win one. <laughs> Which you're saying that they're going to beat the, uh, the the things? I think it's a yes. I think they're so think math- they mathematically it. they could still they could still uh, lose the minor premiership to even the Sharks that are coming third. Uh, which we'll talk about in a second. But again, if the Panthers lose all of their matches, then, uh, and how likely is that? But given they've got some players not playing, big players not playing, I guess it's a possibility. So I think I'm not I'm not willing to just yet lock them in as minor premiers. If they lose all of their games, um, they could be beaten by the Sharks. If they lose three of those games, the Cowboys, uh, if they win all of theirs, could end up, uh, you know, we could end up seeing, in fact, the last game of the season. Yeah, could um, be for the Cowboys at home to the Panthers, a depleted Panthers, could be a, a, a match that sees out who wins a minor premiership. We don't know, but uh, if you listen to who the Cowboys are playing, you might get a sense that, you know, this is potentially on the cards. So we've got the Roosters away, uh, the, the Warriors, the Rabbitohs away, and then the Panthers at home. So that's the run home for the Cowboys. And I think, look, the way they've been playing, it's it's very likely that they will win three of those matches. And if they win that fourth one with the against the Panthers, then it's all dependent on whether the Panthers have won, you know, enough out of the, the previous three games prior to that final game. So I think... Look, I'm almost prepared to lock in the Panthers as minor premiers, but mathematically, it's still a chance that the Cowboys could uh, take this one from the Panthers. But uh, yeah, I, Tish, before we move on to the rest of the positions, what do you think? Is that, uh, yeah, like on the scale of one to five, one to 10, likelihood of the Cowboys doing the miracle, uh, what's the likelihood there? Okay, Panthers being minor premiers, four out of five. And Cowboys <laughs> becoming minor premiers one out of five. All right, fair enough. That's it. So you are claiming that they will win at least one of the next four games, and uh, and effectively lock out the Cowboys. All right. So um, the Sharks. So the Sharks have an e- much much easier run. In fact, they don't play any of the top eight teams in the last four games. They play the Tigers, although they do have three away games. So they have the Tigers away, the Sea Eagles away, the Bulldogs at home, and the Knights away. Um, now, when I say away, they're still in Sydney. <laughs> so it's still well, New South Wales, yeah. Like, it's still in New South Wales, and the Knights is the furthest they have to travel, which is only a three-hour trip up the F3, uh, or the F1, whatever it is. Um, but, yeah, look, realistically, the Sharks you know, have a very good chance of winning all four of these games. And therefore, uh, again, if the Panthers don't win any of their games, the Sharks will be equal points with them uh, at the end of the season. Uh, And if the Panthers, regardless of what happens with the Panthers or the Cowboys, the Sharks actually have a very strong chance of actually coming second. So, 
you know, it, it's going to be a tight one. Uh, but but yeah, that's. I think the Sharks have been blessed with probably the easiest run of anyone in the finals, in finals contention. So um, anyway, that's my view of the Sharks. Tish, what do you think of the, the Sharks? Can they pull off a a clean sweep on the way to the grand on the way to the finals? Sorry, and uh, is that going to make a difference to their position? Okay, uh, I I think they they can do a, a clean sweep. I think they're very likely to do that. Um, however, you know, I'll let you round out the the top uh, four contenders, and I'm gonna I'm gonna drop a bit of a bit of a bombshell, which I just realised, which is a very unique situation for this season. So, but I think yeah, I think the Sharks are likely to hit three, <laughs> but possibly two. As as okay. their position, yeah. All right. So now the two two of the teams that are battling for this fourth spot, uh, the Storm, the Eels, and I'll, I will also mention the Rabbitohs and the Broncos as part of that equation as well. So let's start with the Storm, who are currently uh, fourth on uh, for and against. The they have the Panthers away, they have the Broncos away, they have the Roosters at home, and then they have the Eels away. And uh, obviously, if I go through the Eels, who have the Rabbitohs at home, the Bulldogs at home, then they have the Broncos away, and then they finish up with the Storm at home. Now, let's not forget the Eels is the team that has beaten the Panthers twice this season and also defeated the Storm in sensational circumstances when the Storm were seemingly unbeatable. Uh, The Eels beat them. And so the Eels have this knack of lifting for these big teams and not not so much for the other teams but the 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 deciding factor there is or the the you know a key factor an influencing factor is that Mitchell Moses I think won't be there for uh for any of those games potentially so that means that as I was talking about earlier the their combination Jacob Arthur and uh Dylan Brown has to really gel and come together and be what the Eels need um, and if they can turn it on like they did against the the Manly Seagulls in the second half there last weekend, um, we're going to see a fairly unstoppable Eels team that needs to build momentum going into a finals because they, I don't, I can't even remember Tish the last time the Eels had any momentum going into a final series. Mm. Um, they seem to have been knocked out in straight sets. They've seemed to end seasons with a whimper uh, of late. And so, in my mind, uh, you know, they potentially could look. They're a chance of winning three, possibly four out of those matches, but yep. on current form. But but again, that's a big asterisk because, as we know, the eels, which eels team turns up on on the day, yeah. you never know. Yeah. Uh, look, what, what are I, your thoughts on Storm and Eels? I think I think the eels, based on what we've seen this year out of the squad and sort of the mentality. Um, they they show up when it's playing against a big team <laughs> and they don't show up when they're playing against like a minnow team, right? So what I think for the Eels is that uh, they're, they're likely to be competitive in all these games and I think I give them a high chance of winning uh, a four out of four or at least three out of four. Uh, whereas I think the Storm, I mean, the fact that they've had to... Uh, get plays in from other clubs to sort of end off their season a little bit. Um, they're a bit busted up, right? Um, and I don't know 
if and they've got some pretty big games as well. And I actually don't know if they will win all their four, three out of four. I think they're likely to do only about two out of four. So based on that, I do think that the Eels might be able to get them in for fourth position. Um, because the, although they have a harder draw, I just feel that if they take it one again at a time, um, they seem to play, like even against Manly, they're in trouble, uh, but they were able to get themselves out of it. So they kind of know how to get themselves out of it a little bit. I think they simplify a little bit when they play against a harder team. Like they don't try and be too extravagant. They sort of figure out like, you know, this is what our strengths, let's play to our strengths, let's get to our sets, let's, you know, let's complete our sets and then compete on the kick. You know, they seem to uh, they seem to flow a lot better uh, at playing against these big teams. And I think they just seem to have a better game plan. And I think that that's what they're going to produce over the next few, four weeks. So I see them winning a high chance of those games. And, I, and, and whereas with Melbourne, I think they're more vulnerable against the bigger teams. They seem to, I mean, they could beat the Warriors 70 to 10, for example, right? But then... Um, get smashed by the Panthers, right? That that's that's literally what happened this year, like, you know, one week after another. <laughs> right. So Yeah. They haven't been so that consistent, have they? Yeah. No, no, yeah. It's been a bit lumpy. Uh, you know, the uh the consistency, not just in Melbourne uh Storm, but even in Melbourne Cakes this year, not good, you know. So <laughs> it's you know, a lumpy storm. <laughs> it's a lovely storm, right? So, so that's a. Let, let's that's let's just it. let's just do it this way, Tish. As a as a as a uh, food connoisseur, the storm <laughs> yeah. are lumpy heading into the finals. Does this mean the eels are are they uh, are they frothy? <laughs> are they are they have they are they eggy? Have mm. they been whisked whisked up? Are they? Mm. I think I think look the eels are yeah eggs. An omelet, uh, what I'd say an omelet would be what the eels are. I think because uh, well, you, you overcook it and it's disgusting. You know, so yeah. they're on a thin edge. Yeah. Well, look, as uh, half a vegan, I think I'm allowed to say this. And when I say half a vegan, like you know, I'm halfway through becoming a vegan. Like you know, I uh, <laughs> haven't stopped eating meat, but I just uh, get angry when other people do. Right. Um, <laughs> So, 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 as a half of it, I think I could use the word in cooking um, that they've been activated. You know, like you've got to activate <laughs> like the almonds. <laughs> like the almonds. Yeah, they've been activated. I, th- I think the eels are activated uh, when they got to play a tough team, <laughs> right? Where they right. just sort that's of... a very good analogy there, Tish. I'm enjoying <laughs> this one. The activated eels. The activated eels. I, th- I think. I think that's what happens. They're activated when uh, when they're playing a big team, and then, and then they're sort of just like you know, um, all over the place and unkept and I don't know, raw. The dull, dull <laughs> yeah, and, and unsalted. So, so, so the game, the game that I fear for for the eels the most is actually the bulldogs. <laughs> Oh, don't tell me that. Our yeah. traditional '80s rivals. Are you telling me that there's going to be an upset in a couple of weeks? Well, well uh, look, I hope, I hope I hope they have that rivalry mentality against uh, the dogs. Uh, like and, and, and like, don't go in there thinking that you're just going to thump them, right? But go in there activated, like as if, hey, they, this team is informed when we got something to prove. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's. That's what they've got to be like with the eels. So yeah. Oh, um, well, if I see them in the dressing room uh, with their feet in their little foot spa in boiling water, you'll know that they are being professionally <laughs> activated. Yeah. If it's salty yeah. water in particular with some boiling thing underneath, it's they're they're being activated. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, 
So, so All right, th- shall we th- move on to... Sorry, do you want to move yeah. on to the other two teams that have potentially also got uh, a chance of getting into the top four, uh, mathematically okay. anyway? Mathematically, and, yep. Yeah, so Rabbitohs is the next one. They play the Eels first up, but away. Then they play the Panthers, the Cowboys, and then they end up with the Roosters away. And that last game is also a special occasion because that is the first match that is going to be played at the new, uh, is it the new Allianz Stadium, the new Sydney Football Stadium? It's mm. been refurbished. So, um, you know, the, that could be... It, the let kids almost get killed uh, at Leichhardt Stadium. Oh, no. Let's not go there. <laughs> okay, but, uh, yeah. Look, and the Rabbitohs, yeah, so that... Look, looking at that lineup, um, I... I think the only game that they'll probably win is the Roosters, to be honest, uh, because I can't see them beating the Eels or the Panthers or the Cowboys at this stage. But you mm. never know. The Rabbitohs yeah. are on fire, and it's the Latrell Mitchell show. Yeah. Latrell Mitchell will have to talk to the Eels about being what it means to be activated because yeah. if Latrell Mitchell gets activated in beast mode, we could be seeing – a Rabbitohs team that storms its way into the top four. Cause I think, you know, they're only one win outside the top four at the moment. Mm. Uh, and so that's, that's to me the question and Mark and then to the Broncos and then I'll hand back to you for a sec. The, the Knights at home, the storm at home, the eels at home and the dragons away. I think they've got a chance for two of those games. I don't think they can win against either the storm or the eels, but Stranger things have happened. For, well, potentially they could beat the Storm. So we could be seeing a three out of four for the Broncos, which would put them in very strong contention for a top four finish as well because they're only one win out of the eight. So realistically, I think we've got four teams there that could clinch that fourth spot. And it could go either way. Uh, I'm leaning towards the Eels uh, based on current form, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Storm fights back and, and uh, you know, Bellamy has a, has a knack of getting them ready for finals when it counts, when it matters. And I think he's started to turn them around a little bit and they've got some confidence back. So, um, Tish, Storm, Eels, Rabbitohs, Broncos. And I haven't thrown in the Roosters in the mix because I don't think, you know, I think that it will be a bit tough for them to usurp, you know, to, to catch up four points to get into the top four. So I've, I've eliminated them from the top four discussion. Uh, but what do you think? Storm, Eels, Rabbitohs or Broncos? From what you're seeing in the four weeks ahead of us, which of those teams do you think has the better chance of getting into that top four? Yeah, look, I think it's the Eels. Um, uh, like when you sort of break down the teams and who's going to play who and how everybody's playing, um, look, I think the Rabbitohs are definitely in form. Um, and I think, yeah, as you said, Latrell, Beast Mode. Um, but like, you know... Uh, I don't know if you can get that run up for four weeks straight, right? And then be also prepared for the finals. So um, it, they might just—I mean, they might just play to wherever they're doing. But I think they're also going to rotate their squads a little bit, getting ready for the finals as well. So it almost becomes like uh, the regular season becomes a trial season for the for the final series, right? Um, so I think that's kind of where, uh, yeah, where where I'd put. Um, you know, like sort of the Rabbitohs. And I think Brisbane are, I mean, they're just happy they've made it into the eight. They've got some good games, but I don't think they've got, you know, the for and against. And, you know, they're probably one win away. I think they're going to fall one one win short. So I think I'm going to tip the Eels to probably finish fourth. And this, 
and the Storm to uh, to probably f- finish fifth. And then, yeah, probably the Rabbitohs and the Broncos in sixth and seventh. And then um, before we talk about that eighth spot, I just want to talk about the final series a little bit, Dr. T. And I want to get your thoughts on this, right? Okay. This, this season, uh, the Panthers have been the team to beat. And they've clearly been the team ahead of everybody else, right? So would you rather, right, play the Panthers in the first week and then, you know, whether you win or lose, right, you're still alive in the competition and now you don't have to play the Panthers until you make it to the grand final, right? I I, I think I know where you're headed, which is yeah. – that fourth spot is actually the one you want to get, is what you're saying. That's what I think. That's what I think. Because the cow, okay, currently the Cowboys and Sharks sit in that position, number two and three. Cowboys and Sharks, if it finishes like this, they're guaranteed to have to play the Panthers before the finals in order to make it to the grand final. If if that makes sense. <laughs> right. If the Panthers, uh, is that true? If the even if the Panthers, okay, if the Panthers lose. That yeah, first they'll, game. They'll, yes. They're, yeah. Then I have to pay one of these two, uh, yeah, like right. who, who won. Um, and but if, if the Panthers win, then you don't see them until the grand final. If you're Cowboys or Sharks, no, no, so you Panthers, actually no, no, want no, them no, to no, win. No, no, because because the Panthers will get a break, and then they'll have to play the team that lost the the, the, the team that came back for these two. Put it that way. Oh, right, because they swap uh, sides of the yeah. draw. Yeah. So so no matter what. You'll Cowboys and Sharks will like. I think it's. I think it's like almost a hundred percent. You you'll more than likely have to pay the Panthers before you make to make it to the grand final, right? In a sudden death scenario. Do you want to play them in a the sudden death or in the grand final? Is the exactly. question. And I think. And look, I think I know where you're headed, Tish. And I uh, yeah. So I'll let you finish, and then I'll give you yeah. my view on what could happen. Yeah. And and then what what we've noticed is that we have uh, in the NRL for the first time in a long time we've got a coach who's a thinker. He has a goatee and he has no hair. I'm talking about Todd Payton, right? And Mr. Payton, right? Last year, like you know, the genius of like Tamalolo, eight years we've got to rest him every like you know forty minutes a game sort of thing, right? And then they're like, and then now he's been a super tactician, right? They they're like uh, against. Oh, it's the second best defense. Yeah, it's the second best defense in the NRL. Like, you know, kind of amazing, really, like where they've been able to go from. And uh, and I think I think he knows this. I have a feeling. Do you think he'll let the Cowboys tank for four weeks in a row? No. Oh, no. <laughs> to give them four no way. You don't think so? No right? way. I think they've got a chance at minor premiers, and I think that's they'd rather take that chance. Okay. Uh, no, I do not think they're going to tank. I think they're going to uh, look. I think they've still got a bit of work to do to actually cement themselves as premiership contenders. They seem to have really flown under the radar. The Cowboys. They haven't really done anything spectacular this year. Mm. Whereas we've seen some great plays from Sharks, Eels, Panthers. We said this a while ago. We thought those three teams were the the three teams to beat, and yet we're talking about. Uh, so not sorry, Panthers, Storm and Eels. Sorry, not Sharks and Eels. Panthers, Storm and Eels were the three teams that we were saying are probably halfway, you know, half the season ago, um, that were the three to beat. And now we're talking 
this is a team that the Panthers are decimated and the Sharks, uh, sorry, the Storm and the Eels are coming fourth and fifth respectively. So Cowboys and Sharks have come out of nowhere and all of a sudden are, you know, almost guaranteed top four contenders. And uh, where does that leave the teams that we thought were the best performers earlier in the year? But Tish, I just want to make mention, I'm going to take your example and your scenario to an extreme, which is if you're saying that the Eels will make the fourth spot, then that means they will play the Panthers first up in uh, in the final series. They will play them. They will be a decimated Panthers team. And we've seen this year that the Eels have been all over the Panthers at full strength. Uh, and then obviously in the last game when, when Cleary got injured, sorry, when Cleary got uh, sent off, at that point, the Eels were already winning, so we'll never know. But I think it's fair to say that the Eels would have given them a fair shake at a full-strength Panthers team anyway. So here, here you have a scenario where the Panthers could be playing the Eels in the first week of the finals, and yep. I think the Eels could beat them mm-hmm. and go to week three. Then all of a sudden, we've got one more match uh, against who knows who in order to make a grand final, which I think they could possibly win. Yeah, then and it's more than likely going to be Cowboys or Sharks. It won't it could, be. More than likely Cowboys Panthers. or Sharks, which I don't think are teams that in a sudden death scenario that the Eels wouldn't be able to overcome. Uh, then what you could be seeing is the Panthers on the other side of the draw cleaning up whoever's remaining, ending up being a Panthers-Eels grand final if the Eels take that out, that means they would have beaten the Panthers four times in one season. <laughs> would mm. you? I mean, how's that for an extreme scenario? I don't know if it's likely. Probably very unlikely. Uh, but I think uh, that could absolutely play itself out if uh, if the cards fall right and if the planets align. So I think, yeah. yeah, that's an interesting scenario there. You're right. I think you want to be fourth against a depleted Panthers team in week one of the finals with very little match fitness. Um, will uh, Cleary be back for that? I think he will. He's got, is he suspended for five matches? So that means he will actually be back in the first game of the final series. Uh, yeah. And Luai potentially will be back as well. So, you know, who knows? Cleary yeah. might be bulking up. Uh, during his time off, he might be uh, doing a, a spot of uh, gardening, spot of cleaning, a spot of uh, learning Shakespeare. Who knows what Cleary is doing in his off season for now mm. while he's uh, suspended? But um, I yeah. wonder whether he'll be match fit. That's yeah, the real exactly. question. So, yeah. so, so what I would say is that look, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna suggest that the Rab- even the Rabbitohs and the Broncos, I, I don't think they're going to be finishing in the top four, right? But I think if you look at Eels and the Storm, you know, what I would say is that you'd be the, your your goal over the next four weeks is to get yourself ready to beat the Panthers in week one, right? So whatever rotations, whatever injuries, whatever plays, whatever you need to do. Um, you want to secure four spots so that you could play the Panthers in round one because you know that if you win, you you're one win away. If you lose, you're two ga- win, wins away, but two two games not playing the Panthers, right? Yeah. Um, I think that's what you got to do. I think for the Cowboys and the Sharks, the way I think is that okay. Uh, I need obviously we need to uh, you know. Uh, strengthen our position, but if we're going to win the premiership, we're going to have to beat the Panthers somewhere in the finals. So. Again, 
you're preparing for them. And I think this is where, like, a lot of people like saying it's a foregone conclusion that the Panthers will win. And look, I think a lot of, and they're more than likely going to be the grand final, uh, grand finalists, and probably grand final winners. Like, I don't, I don't sort of, you know, you can't say that just based on the stellar season that they had that they won't be. But, um, you know, there's going to be the teams that are in the hunt. They all want to win a premiership. Um, you know, a team like the Cowboys and, and probably the Sharks as well. Um, know that it's very rare for these clubs to be in this position. So they want to take full advantage. And then so, because next season, who knows what's going to happen to them, right? So so they're going to be thinking that. I think for the Storm and the Eels, um, you know, obviously the Storm are, are sort of always playing grand fi- like playing finals, playing grand finals. So I think they had that big match experience, so they kind of know this. For the Eels, I mean, a lot of talk has been that this is, has to be the, like it's like this has to be their season, right? Because they're losing a lot of players next year, right? So um, their side's going to not be. Um, I think they might even struggle to make the eight next year based on what's happening with all their players leaving, right? So this is their time, and they might not have another chance like they've got this season, right? Like I think that's mm. it's the that window is like, closing. Yeah, the window is closing. So I think this is where this is one of the next four weeks of what's going to happen on the field is going to be super, super interesting because I think as we head to the finals, that four spot is is like so important now. And I think that that this is the road home. So, because look, I, to be honest, a, a few rounds ago, I kind of felt it is. I, I think it's. I thought. I thought Parramatta was gone, <laughs> right? I thought. <laughs> I no did way. too. Yeah. But now, like considering what fourth spot actually means and the benefits of four, um, I think I think it's the right. I think I think I could see a chance for them. Do you know what I mean? Um, the worst thing, uh, one of the worst things for me is if they overshoot it and get to second and third, and now they've got to play Panthers in a do or die before the grand final, right? Yeah, that's <laughs> like, right, and that's what you don't want. Yeah, yeah, that's what that's what you don't want. So, um, yeah, I think it's just very interesting how this is all going to line up. And then uh, now the now the right, bottom eight. half, you yeah, the eighth spot. So Roosters let, let are in me, there at the moment. Let yeah. me quickly go into the eighth spot. So Roosters are currently eighth on twenty four points. They will play the Cowboys, the Tigers, both at home, the Storm away, and the Rabbitohs at home, and that's that Allianz Stadium reopening game. The Raiders, nipping at their heels, 22 points. Uh, They will play the Dragons, the Knights away, the Seagulls at home, and the Tigers away. Um, Then you go down to Seagulls, 20 points, and Dragons as well on 20 points. So four points out of the eight at the moment. The Seagulls play the Titans away, the Sharks, the Raiders away, and the Bulldogs away. And the Dragons will play the Raiders away, the Titans, the Tigers away, and the Broncos. Now, if you look at that, I think the most likely scenario is that the Roosters and the Raiders are going to be the teams that are going to battle it out for the eighth spot. Um, If you look at the Roosters, they've got Cowboys, Tigers, Storm, Rabbitohs. I think they they will be struggling to win more than one of those. I think they'll win the Tigers game. They will not win the others. If that's the case, then we've got to look at what the Raiders can do. Can they overcome that two-point deficit? Well, they have the Dragons, the Knights, the Seagulls, and the Tigers. So, you know, they are potentially in line to win three out of those four games. Uh, possibly the Seagulls, maybe they won't be able to beat them. I'm not sure. Um if that is the case, then we're talking about a Raiders team that will uh, jump over 
leapfrog the Roosters into the top eight. And if you remember my crystal ball earlier this season, in that first episode this season, I did say controversially, and I'll still stick with this, that the Roosters will not make the top eight. And I think if I think this is what may play out. I don't think the Seagulls and the Dragons have a chance to overcome the Raiders. I think the Seagulls and the Raiders have kind of equally difficult uh, or easy games, except actually the Seagulls have the Sharks. And the Sharks are on fire this year. And I think, yeah, the Seagulls probably will win two, maybe three out of those, but that's not going to be enough to overcome the Raiders. So I think this you will find, you know, possible two, possibly three teams uh, on ninth spot, equal ninth. But I think the Raiders will come out clearly on eighth, based on what I've just said. Tish, uh, what's your read of those four teams and how you position them? Yeah, look, I have pretty much locked in the Roosters. <laughs> okay. Um, right. I just, I, I'm just looking at those draws and I feel like they've got more of the winnable games. Uh, and the other thing that I'm looking at is the points differential, which oh, is yes. they're sitting at 107. Yes. Uh, the Raiders are sitting at minus 33. And the Seagulls <laughs> are at minus 8. The Dragons are at minus 130, right? So I think the Dragons are... Yeah, and they're sitting on twenty as well. So I think they're gone. I think they're gone, right? Um, so I think, yeah. So with the others, I think that the yeah, you've got over a hundred point gap the Roosters have in terms of the differential. So even if they, if they all finish on equal, and the and the and the Roosters are already a game ahead of the Raiders and two games ahead of, uh, of the Seagulls, right? So if you put those uh, scenarios in place. Uh, you know, even if like you know, if the Roosters lose this weekend and the Raiders win, they're both sitting on the same amount of points, but the differential is going to be massive, right? So, um, you know, the Raiders have to win at least two more than the Roosters in four games, two out of four, um, and I think that the Roosters are going to at least win the next, you know, two out of four. I think I think two out of four games they win. Um, and I think the Raiders, uh, yeah, I think the Raiders will will have to win three out of four, which I don't. I don't think that they will do. So that's that's probably why I've got the Roosters in there at the moment. So, look, unless they could beat a team by 70 points three times or something like that, you know, like... Um... <laughs> no, I think you'll find that, uh, you know, the Roosters will probably get flogged once or twice. And so I think watch Ooh. out for the Cowboys and possibly the Rabbitohs putting on some points on them. And I think that means that if the Raiders claw back there. Uh, you know, they've got to put points on against the Dragons and the Knights to give themselves any chance uh, in those final two games against Manly and, and the Tigers. Uh, but yeah, I still contend the Raiders have the easiest of the draws in the, in those four bottom teams. And I think because of that, um, they are likely to win all of their games and therefore don't need to worry about the points differential against the Roosters because I think the Roosters will drop two, maybe three of those. But anyway, and that all depends on whether the Storm, because the Storm is going to be the interesting one, I think. If the Roosters and the Storm ends with a Roosters win, we could, uh, you know, they, they could be enough to get them into the eight. And I think that's, that to me, that's a critical one. But it all points to that final one, I think. Roosters and Rabbitohs, I think, is where we will really find out um, you know, the makeup of the top eight. And that's going to be interesting because it's already an important game given the, you know, the, 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 uh, 
context of the new stadium, etc. So I think that will be a really interesting, a great game, nevertheless. It'll be exciting for sure because uh, Russell Crowe will bring out his uh, his book mm. of uh, of rivalries, and uh, mm. there, there will be great pageantry and pomp and fanfare for the Rabbitohs and Roosters, and rightly so. You know, two of the originals, um, two of the OGs going head to head in a new stadium, uh, which will be really, really exciting. But look, uh, that's it, I think, for my my view of the, the top eight. And I think, uh, uh, yeah, definitely with four games to go, a lot could happen. Um, but I think, yeah, I think we've kind of outlined some very interesting scenarios, especially your, your point there, Tish, about the top four and the fourth spot being the coveted spot in this context is uh, is a really good one. And I think I look forward to the Eels taking that fourth spot, hopefully, if they can uh, play to their potential, which is always a, a bit of an, an if, isn't it? So, um, all right. Is there any any other last comments, Tish? Otherwise, we'll move on to tackle number five. Yeah, let's move on, I think. Uh, some classic music there, which uh, is an apt way to segue into tackle number five, where we are going to be talking about the upcoming celebration of the 100-year anniversary of the last time that North Sydney Bears won a premiership. In 1922, um, the, uh, the, uh, the North Sydney Bears won... Uh, they were they back then teams. How many teams were there back then? There were nine teams in that year, uh, and the final game was North Sydney's victory over Glebe in the Premiership final. And the way they did it back then was uh, very different to our current complicated system. They didn't have a final series. Basically, they played all teams played each other twice, and at the end. If two teams are at the top of the table, then they had to play off uh, a final, they called it, or now we call the, these things a grand final. But uh, Norths and Glebe were the teams that were tied at the top of the points table in 1922. Um, so, as I said, instead of there being a points differential rule, what they did was they, they played a, a match, a grand final, to determine the Premier. Um, and the match was played on the 6th of September in 1922 at the Sydney Cricket Ground, just next door to the Allianz Stadium that we just spoke about that is going to be reopened. Um, and the crowd there was around 15,000. The match was officiated by Tom McMahon, the elder of the two pre-war referees of that name, which is very interesting. Um, now, the game was not a... Uh, <laughs> A very close game. It was Norths really dominating. They got away to a 10-0 lead at halftime and they went on to smash Glebe 35-3. to It was their second consecutive premiership crown and I bet they thought that they had a dynasty brewing. <laughs> but, but no, they did not. They have never won a premiership since then. Uh, those were the only two premierships that they won. And mm. Of special note was that the legendary Harold Horder scored 20 individual points in that match. So the tries to rule to Blinkhorn, Cess Blinkhorn to Harold Horder, 
two, and Peters scored a try as well. And Horder scored seven goals. And the single try to E. Summers from Glebe. Uh, obviously, tries back then were only three points. So if in our modern age where a try is worth four points, uh, you're talking uh, – what would, it, what would the score have been? Let me use my mathematics there. You've got two, four, six, seven tries uh, and seven goals. So so what's what's that? Seven times six, 42 to four would have been the score. So much bigger than 35 to three. Um, it would have felt a lot bigger, but it was, uh, you know, same number of tries, but scored differently. Tish? Uh, it's not so often we, and, and I know it's not this week necessarily, it's on the 6th of September, but we wanted to sort of flag it because it's a, it's coming mm. up and we, yep. uh, given given the, the number of controversies that we're seeing each week in rugby league that we feel the need to talk about, I feel like if we don't talk about it now, something controversial will come up yeah. and we'll, we'll steal this tackle from us next week. So uh, I think this is why it's worth talking yeah. about. But look, the Bears are hoping to come back in the form of Perth, so they are definitely in the news yet again this year. Um, Tish, what's your views on the 100 years since North Sydney last won? Well, look, it is. Uh, yeah, look, the Bears. I think the North Sydney Bears have a very interesting history, right? Obviously, one of the uh, original four clubs, right? And um, you know, they they uh, 1922. What year was the Sydney Harbour Bridge uh, finished? Oh, good question. I think it was. I think it was the, in the 30, 19th, it was before yeah. that, yeah. So this is pre-Sydney Harbour Bridge. So they had to, no. I don't know, row their boats, <laughs> right, <laughs> right, to play their home games, right? That's like that, that's how, uh, like that's how old we're thinking about, like you know, like that's how long ago it is. That's a hundred years. It's it's crazy, and um, you know, and they've only won the two uh, premierships that are, and that was back to back. You know, thinking about it here, I mean, like uh, like I could see here last year. Um, you know, to celebrate the 100th anniversary of the Bears' first premiership in 1921, we've put together this great, great prize pack, right? And then if you look at a current post from this year, to celebrate the 100th anniversary of the Bears' last premiership, <laughs> we've put together a great prize pack. So, yeah, unfortunately, you just sort of ran back to back, right? And then, um, look, it's good to hear that there is uh, a renewed push for the Bears to, to you know, the Bears' identity to be back into the, um, you know, into the competition. I think the fact that they were a long-suffering club, they had long-suffering supporters, they did become a bit of a, a second team for a lot of people. And I think their identity still stands. It's, you know, um, like, I mean, this year we've, we, you know, we've, uh, we, the Illawarra Steelers also celebrate their 40th anniversary, but obviously they're tied into the George Illawarra, but nobody really nobody really, really thinks about the Steelers' identity, for example, you know. And I could say the same thing about the new uh, Newtown. I mean, I think the Newtown Jets are sort of, you know, they, you know, people have, uh, yeah, they've got this sort of uh, novelty uh, sort of uh, fanfare a little bit. They're kind of, uh, you know, revered in their area, but it's not really like something that you hear a lot of rugby league fans going, oh, wouldn't it be great if we could get the Jets back in or there could be a club that's got the Jets name or something like that, right? But North Sydney, on the other hand, I think a lot of people were were quite taken back. I, I remember, I, you know, I was probably quite taken back that the Bears were, um, you know, sort of ousted from the competition. I recall that there were a couple of, uh, you know, uh, people in my school that were Bears supporters and, 
you know, imagine, uh, you know, just imagine if you if you if you lost your club sort of thing. So I think I think the North Sydney they kind of um, they're a bit more. I think there was a bit more passion uh, towards them not being part of the competition, and uh, yeah, and I think uh, it'd be great important to celebrate. So. I think what they do have is that if you do go go to the NorthSydneyBears.com.au, uh, they do actually have a retro jer- jersey, which I think they they sort of got a bit of a discount for Father's Day because obviously Father's Day is in September. It's going to be very close to the time that the 100th anniversary is going to take place. So, and I don't know what the Bears are doing to sort of celebrate it, but hopefully there's a, you know, maybe there's a game on at North Sydney Oval, uh, you know, between, uh, you know, a team from Glebe. And the Norse, maybe. I don't know. Like, you know, maybe well, that'd a, be a good like, idea. A reenactment. <laughs> a reenactment, exactly. Not a reenactment, but a re a rematch. Yeah. A rematch. Yeah, Hundred years rematch. later rematch, a celebratory rematch. I think that would be a good idea if they haven't already thought of that. Yeah. Uh, well, I wouldn't I wouldn't be against a reenactment either. Like that would be play by play. Um, you know, um, yeah, gotta wear the old jerseys, the old uniforms. Um you know? I'll go you one better, Tish. Not just a reenactment, a Hollywood movie starring <laughs> yeah. Brad Pitt. Yeah. Uh, you know, Ryan Gosling as Harold yeah. Porter. Mm. Uh, Russell Crowe as uh, who knows, and and of course Ashley Klein as the referee. Ashley uh, Klein, yeah, I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Um, Greg Hollywood Hartley as the uh, as the director, right? <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah, that would be a bit difficult. But I mean, yeah, oh, okay. uh, yeah, I guess I remember. Yeah, um, I, I like your heart's in the right place. I get it. Uh, but yeah, uh, but yeah, look, the Bears. The, you couldn't write this script any better if you were if you were writing this as uh, as a fictional story. Mm. A team called the Bears literally has been in hibernation for hundred years, and <laughs> yeah. and here we are trying to advocate for its return. Mm. Uh, and you know, quite rightly, I agree. And l- let me tell you, given what happened with Mel- with uh, sorry with Manly, uh, and the way they were ousted from the Northern Eagles kind of joint venture and all that sort of shenanigans, I would say if the Bears do come back to the top flight uh, in whatever form, the the derby with the manly Warringah Seagulls will mm. be full of fireworks like you've never seen before because I think a lot of the fans still harbour a lot of hatred towards Manly for what they did to the Bears and uh, and how they kind of left them in the lurch. And and really, you know, they've never recovered. Whereas South Sydney, we've you know, they were ousted from the competition, they stuck strong and uh, and fought their way back, and now they're probably one of the top teams of any football code in Australia in terms of memberships, etc., but that came from a place where they were completely knocked out. So, um, you know, good luck to the Bears. I think it's a it's a great thing to celebrate, even though it's a bit sad that it's the last time they've won a premiership. But hundred years is a long time. But I think their hibernation may be soon coming to an end. But Tish, before we get to an end of this podcast, we need to do our tips. So here we are, round six, the tips. So after 21 rounds, uh, or in the 21, 21st round, you got seven out of eight and I got four out of eight. So that takes you 
to teach to 120 and I, I'm on 117. So, uh, yeah, I took a few risks last week and none of them paid off. So there you go. <laughs> there you go. Let's see what I'm going to do this week. But Tish, round 22, we've already talked about some of the games coming up and their significance for finals footy. Let's do it. Penrith Panthers versus Melbourne Storm. It's a Thursday night game at Bluebet Stadium in Penrith. I think the Panthers are going to win this one. Yeah, I think the Panthers will win the struggle and beat them to the wrestle. Fair enough. Uh, how dare you, will Cam, as Cam Smith will say. <laughs> um, the Warriors and the Bulldogs um, at Mount Smart Stadium on Friday uh, at 6 p.m. Sydney time. I think the Bulldogs will win this one. Uh, and they are putting some good mm. together. I agree. I think the Bulldogs are priming themselves for a match against Parramatta surely. Oh, heavens no. Let's not do that. <laughs> Eels versus <laughs> Rabbitohs, the, uh, the the primetime Friday night game at Combank Stadium. I think the Eels at home, uh, their crowd is going to lift them, and I think it's going to be a cracking game either way. Yeah, look, I'm going to tip the Eels uh, to continue on their success. The Roosters v. the Cowboys. That's going to be at the Sydney Cricket Ground on Saturday afternoon at 3 p.m., Maybe the Cowboys aren't used to that that kind of uh, environment. I don't know if it's going to rain. Certainly, it's not going to be as hot as it is in uh, Townsville. But I think the Cowboys will win this one. Yeah, look, I'm going to tip the Roosters at home on this one. A bit of an upset. All right. Tigers versus the Sharks. Uh, I think the Tigers are done and dusted for the season, unfortunately. Without Jackson Hastings, Sharks will win this one. Yeah, I think that too. So I'm going to tip. I'm going to go against the Tigers. I'm going to tip the Sharks again. So. Oh no! Uh, the Broncos and the Knights Saturday evening uh, primetime game at Suncorp Stadium. I think the Broncos will do this. Uh, yeah, get some get some good points on their points differential against the Knights. Yeah, you know I'm going to tip an upset here. I think the Knights uh, after uh, their uh, win in Campbelltown. Uh, I think they're going to go on with this one. All right. Uh, Raiders versus the Dragons, Sunday afternoon, 2 p.m. at Cambridge GIO Stadium. Um, I think after what we saw this week, I think the I think the Raiders will not get dis- uh, distracted. I think there's a temptation mm. to think that this is all distracting. I think, if anything, maybe uh, it will actually work in their favour, the fact that their coach is uh, taking the heat off them. Um, mm. But I think the Raiders... We'll put some points on the Dragons, and I think this will give them the confidence. They will then go equal, in my view, with the Roosters, who would have been beaten the day before, and uh, that will give them some confidence going into the final few games. So the Raiders for mine. Yeah, look, I'm going to tip the Raiders as well. I think the Raiders uh, at home against St. George Illawarra, who have a terrible record in Canberra, so I'm going to tip uh, the Raiders for that one. And finally, Titans versus Manly, Sunday uh, twilight game. Uh, I think this will be the televised game at Seabus Super Stadium in uh, the Gold Coast. Gold Coast v Manly, I'm picking Manly. Yeah, I'm going to tip Manly as well. I think, um, yeah, it's a very important game for them because they have a slight chance and and let's see how they go. Yeah, in the in the DCE Cup, uh, very important. <laughs> the Flip yeah, Cup, it's right. called. Uh, yeah. Good luck to DCE, but I think he's uh, look. Ironically, I think he's actually been performing quite well this year for the Manly mm. Seagulls. So 
let's see if his kicking game can turn them around because he's uh, he's done very very well this year with his kicking game, especially in state of origin. And I think that's it. That ends the uh, the podcast. That ends the tips. That ends everything for this mm. week. Uh, hopefully, Ricky Stewart's listening to us, and uh, you know. In his off time, he's got a chance to listen, to catch up with some podcasts, and hopefully he's listening to us. Sticky, if you're listening, good luck with your teams uh, this weekend. You'll be watching them on the sidelines, but no doubt you will be biting through your fingernails uh, as you watch your Raiders go up against the Dragons. And to everyone else out there, stay safe, have a good one. And Tish, over to you to wrap things up. Well, thank you, Dr. T, and thank you, everybody, listening to a massive episode of the Rugby League Republic. Uh, but that's all the time we have for this edition of the Rugby League Republic. We are hosts, Tish and Dr. T. Join us next time on the Rugby League Republic. Bye for now.